Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It's me, Len Testa, and this is our show for the week of Schmerz Day, September 19th, 2022. On the show today, it's going to be a little bit longer, uh, but we have D23 news, obviously, and surveys, and listener questions. Then in our main segment, Jim talks about what he learned behind the scenes at Disney's D23 Expo last week. Let's get started by bringing in the man who says that bologna is just hot dog pancakes. It's Mr. Jim Hill. Jim, how's it going? Oh, we don't want to get into this topic of lunch and meat now, do we, Len? <laughs> we don't. We don't want to know how it's made, Jim. We don't want to know how it's made. That and politics. So moving on, moving on. Okay. <laughs> Let's do a quick shout out to subscribers over at DisneyDish.VanCamp.com. Thanks to new subscribers, Psych Prof Plum, Obi-Wan-THX1138. I see what you did there, dude. There and Todd Witt. And long-time subscribers, Bill Rutten, Joe Metz, and Hubert Yamada, all subscribers since 2015. Jim, these are the folks who are working on new restaurant concepts for the Villains Land that Disney teased at D23. Their ideas include the stepsisters as restaurant waitstaff who say, ugh, to everything you order, and the Peter Pan villain as maitre d' going around the table saying, my name is James, why do they call me Hook? Is it the hand? Oh, well, that's just... Wow. Enjoy your meal, I guess. True story. <laughs> I would pay good money for that experience. Honest to God, of all of the things, and we're going to talk about this in like two seconds, but yeah. the villain's thing has the absolute most potential. All right. It let's does. do the news, though, Jim. Mm-hmm. Let's jump right into it. Folks, the Disney Dish News is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Disney Dish podcast. For a worry-free travel experience every time, book online at storybookdestinations.com. All right, a couple of quick housekeeping things. Jim, you and I are doing the second annual Gingerbread Challenge in Walt Disney World starting Friday, mm-hmm. December 2nd. And we're doing the Galactic Star Cruiser in March of 2023. And if you'd like to join us on any of this, go to storybookdestinations.com slash Disney Dish to get a quote. All right, Jim, Hmm. this is the news segment, so let's talk here about just the things that the public was told at D23. And then in our main segment, you can give us all the juicy behind-the-scenes gossip. Is that all right? Will do. All right. So every show should begin, Jim, with a round of self-congratulations, or as one of our listeners put it, the phrase, I believe I informed you thusly. (laughs) (laughs) One of the big announcements out of D23 is that the Tron opening date is spring 2023, Uh, And that announcement prompted this email from our friend Michael. I went back and listened to the entirety of the Disney Parks and Entertainment panel. I watched the hype videos and other promises of great things to come from the Josh Tomorrow presentation. After a reflection, I think for I speak for all of us in the Walt Disney World community when I say, meh. In fact, my one moment of excitement during the panel was shouting, I believe Len called that when they announced the Tron opening in spring D23. I'll admit Josh's ability to make the mundane appear applause-worthy is impressive. I'd like to see if he's open to announcing Salmon Night at dinner to my four kids and to get a better reaction than I do. All right, so Jim, uh, any surprises about the Tron opening date? We've seen people writing this thing. And I, I, I want to point out on the last show, you were talking about, yeah, we're seeing people write it, but the burn-in, so to speak, the actual yeah. physical testing of the traction will take months, but it's like yeah. months as in spring? It all comes down to marketing, Jim. They need something to market in 2023. And we saw from the um, overhead presentation, the big sort of blue sign where they mm-hmm. had all of Imagineering's um, you know, projects, this is the big thing for 2023. And they need that to sell it. So what, what I expect to happen is we'll start to see marketing for Tron around the Thanksgiving, Christmas period. And we'll probably see 
pass holder previews, you know, January, February, March timeframe, probably February, March ish, um, you know, for like a spring break opening. So the good news is, is we'll have that extra ride capacity um, for spring break. The downside is that's probably the time that I think Splash Mountain will go down for a refurb. I was kind of hoping that the 50th anniversary, which has just officially been extended to mm -hmm. March 30th of this year, would go out in a high point that at least we would finally get Tron-like cycle. But no, it's going to be in slouching toward Bethlehem mode, just sort of like <laughs> wheezing towards the finish line. Yeah, come on. But all right, okay, it's so, fine. All right. Mind. So the other big, uh, the other big news, Jim, was uh, Tiana's Bayou Adventure update. Yeah. Right, why don't you give us that? The Walt Disney Company first announced that Splash Mountain for both Disneyland Park in California and the Magic Kingdom would be rethemed around 2009's Princess and the Frog, removing all references to Song of the South, mm -hmm. Disney's now controversial release from 1946. Original concept art showed Tiana in her princess outfit along with Lewis, the trumpet playing alligator. Original storyline for this attraction was built around Lewis pursuing his trumpet, which had been swept away in the, the Flume's ride current, and Tiana oh, was... Oh, I, I, I didn't know that that, was the, uh, that that was the plot. Okay, so then Tiana wasn't the central character? She Well, the thing of it was is that if you remember from the concept art we heard, they had Tiana in her full ball going, you know, when she transformed at the end of the film and became a Disney princess, that okay. was the outfit they had her in. So she was only supposed to make two appearances in the ride, both Oof. of them in a princess outfit. Okay, not really addressing the representation issue if she's only making two appearances. Okay. Development of this traction got serious in 2019. They began talking about pulling all of the Song of the South stuff out of Splash Mountain as far back as 2014. So this is this is not totally believable. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, Sharita Carson, who love her, uh, love her, no, a, a, a wonderful, really talented lady. Yeah. Just coming off of working with Kevin Rafferty on Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, tasked to be executive producer of this thing, and Sharita wanted this to be as authentic as possible. So, she reaches out to all sorts of people in the New Orleans community. Uh, likewise, again, the focus grouping about if we're going to do a Tiana ride, what do people really want? And what ended up happening, focus group said, you know, we can't have Tiana at the beginning, Tiana at the end. She has to be all the way through this ride. So it mm -hmm. has to take a much more active role, must take a much more central position in the attraction. So the Lewis losing his trumpet storyline gets tossed in favor of a Tiana needs our help in finding a special ingredient for her famous Mardi Gras gumbo recipe. Okay, on the on the one hand... Central character needs you to find X mm -hmm. is kind of the same storyline as in Guardians of the Galaxy and Smuggler's Run mm -hmm. and probably mm -hmm. other attractions that I can't think of right now. So on the one hand, it's a well-trod path. On the other hand, you know, I get it. That's fine for the shrine. <laughs> Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it works. I mean, it, it, it's tried and true and it works. On the other hand, the locals and members of the New Orleans community, when they were showed Tiana's Bayou Adventure, mm -hmm. immediate pushback. It's like, you understand we're a title flat? <laughs> yeah, there are, there are no mountains in Louisiana, in southern Louisiana. So that's the thing. They began to look for the, the largest out, outcroppings when it came to the Bayou country. And it turns out, Len, these are salt mines. Oh, from uh, like uh, Tabasco and uh, isn't Tabasco and salt mines like aren't they intertwined? So I, I've been led to understand. Okay, all right. It, th thank God the uh, thank God the largest uh, mountain in southern New Orleans is not um, you know a garbage dump because <laughs> that would have been super. Awkward. I think it is actually in Florida. 
<laughs> the highest point floor, I think, is actually a garbage dump. Anyway, go ahead. Wow. Okay. <laughs> As a direct result, uh, again, the ride gets a new storyline, gets a new location. Also, have you heard about this new backstory that we're five years after the events we saw in Princess of the Frog? Tiana's Palace Restaurant has been such a success, it's led to the launch of Tiana's Food, which... It sounds like the prequel to Ratatouille. <laughs> well, yes. I mean, you know, the, the, evidently Tiana has set up an employee-owned community food co-op. Love it. It's a, it's a super detailed backstory. And let me just say, like, the idea of, of putting a U.S. Mm-hmm. labor tie-in mm-hmm. into this is great probably needs to happen at American Adventure. But again, I get it. We, we, yeah. we, we take progress where we can get it, Jim. No, no, no. I, I understand that. But what I have been hearing from various parties involved here is that the quest to make this authentic and at the same time making sure that every reference to Song of the South is removed from this thing, yeah. it's now gone from being a fun ride with some controversial elements to an earnest, well-meaning ride, which, you know, you're in the Magic Kingdom. It's like, well, what are we doing next? Oh, let's go on the earnest, well-meaning ride. That's what I want on my vacation. I mean, here's the here's the thing. Um, the thrill element is going to paper over a lot of this. This is true. Um, number two, I don't particularly follow the Marvel Universe mm-hmm. very closely, and that doesn't really affect my appreciation of Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, I get the idea, like, something's happened, we need to chase something. Mm-hmm. And that's if that's all I get out of this, that's fine. So I'm okay with it. You know, do, do, will, I, will I make snide remarks for the entire lifetime of this ride around? Um, they should be handing out laminated Cliff's Notes for the story before you go in? Probably, but that's just who I am as a person, Jim. That's no reflection on the ride. I, 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 I get that. I truly do. Okay, moving on now. To talk about how you take the physical plant for Splash Mountain and turn it into Tiana's Bayou Adventure. I mean, obviously, Mm -hmm. Bayou, you got to create this space. And for years now, Disney has been using tricks to make Splash Mountain look bigger than it actually is. (laughs) And now they need to do the opposite. They're flanking the old Chickapin Hill with super tall cypress trees, likewise a water tower that actually has the logo for Tiana's food on it. So you place these elements and mm-hmm. taller than they should actually be in sure. front of old Chickapin Hill. And then you strip out the thorns from the laughing place. And oh, because it's a briar patch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. And it works. Now, mind you, if you, you wander around to the right side of the mountain and look up, you can actually see continue to sell the food co-op idea the you know how you come up through the grist mill and sort of do a lap around the exterior of the splash mountain show building before you go into your real first show scene you're going to be floating past crops for people who are in the food co-op to again sell the idea that we need your help finding this ingredient it must be here somewhere and getting back to the whole tiana's food and tiana's palace thing because she has been so successful this is now the get out of jail free card that remember they want to bring a princess and the frog food experience to the Disney parks. But at the same time, oh, sure. yeah. it's like the Tiana's palace that were shown at the end of princess and the frog is, has such distinct architecture. I mean, it, it looks like a steamboat from the outside, right? They could try to turn Pecos built into that, but it would blow the scale oh. of Frontierland. Yeah, that'd be tough, yeah. And what they've since decided is like, okay, so now, because Tiana 
has her successful food company, she, of course, would branch out. She would have franchises, and, and one of them will now go into Pecos Bill, which will be rethemed to scale, but will we'll switch to a, a more New Orleans-influenced menu. And likewise, the Hungry Bear at Disneyland will also become, you know... <laughs> a, An outpost, a, yeah. Yeah, of the Tiana Foods empire. Hmm, makes sense. Early on, there was a hope, at least among the Disneyland and Disney World merch, that the name of this attraction, the original name for this thing was Splash Mountain, Tiana's Bayou Adventure, which is a mouthful, but the the merch people were hoping to hang on to it, because I'm sure you've seen the coffee mugs, t-shirts, and the like. The Disney Mountain Range, where for Disneyland, it's Matterhorn, Space Mountain, Big Thunder, and Splash. And in Florida, of course, it's Space Mountain, Big Thunder, and Splash. And But it's like, now that they're, they're officially stripping the Splash Mountain name off of the thing, and again, largely because of its connection with Song of the South, it's like, oh, well, I guess that merch line goes away. I mean, they'll have they'll have their own merch line for it, too. So it's not like it's uh, uh, they're not replacing it with something. I mean, they'll have a replacement for it. No, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, one thing that, that Charita did stress from the stage at D23 was that be ready. Uh, make sure you come by at night to check out uh, right. Tiana's Bio. The wedding packages, yeah. That's it, exactly. Good. This is yeah. the first time. This ride is going to take advantage, full advantage of, of projection mapping. So you're going to have wonderful Mardi Gras influence coloring. Likewise, up in Chickapen Hill, where we previously had Br'er Fox getting ready to toss Br'er Rabbit out to the Briar Patch. This is Mama Odie, and we have mm-hmm. the colorful bottles uh, that we saw in the Dig a Little Deeper number hanging down from inside of the cave at the top there. So evidently, this is her home away from boat. Uh, <laughs> That's going to be great, though. I mean, uh, very colorful. I love the idea of a different nighttime package because mm-hmm. I think, like, you know, Big Thunder Mountain and Splash Mountain are better rides at night. Oh, no, 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 absolutely. One thing, though, Disneyland version uh, is expected to open in late 2024. There are separate project managers for both of these things. There's a team working in Anaheim. There's a team working in Florida. And not as confident in, in the info I have about Florida. So we're going to hold right. that back. But California is a go. And if you really like the original Splash, you probably want to get to Disneyland out ahead of January, February next year. Yeah, I was going to say definitely before um, you know Tron officially opens. So January, February, maybe March. Mm-hmm. But definitely January, February to get that last ride in. Absolutely. And then also um, Disney provided an update to uh, Journey of Water inspired by Moana. Upcat, right? Oh, Len. If there's ever a team in Florida that's indulging in day drinking, it's the folks that were working (laughs) on Journey of Water. August of 2019. Project gets announced as part of the reimagining of future world. You know, you're going to break it into the three neighborhoods, world celebration, world discovery, world nature. And this is an educational attraction, sort of. It's going to celebrate. It's a walk. It's sort of a walkthrough. It's sort of a, uh, you know, atmospheric sort of edition. And a little bit of a little bit of a little bit of education. A little right? bit of education sort of in with leans into the Moana IP, also a water play element. I mean, on paper, Venn diagram, very clever idea. Yeah, check some boxes. Okay. Sure. So September 2019, Future World begins to close. So to get this reinvention of Epcot underway out ahead of Walt Disney World's 50th anniversary in 2021, mm-hmm. it's Late 2019, early 2020, they already have a lot of the materials they need to build this thing. And they've stockpiled them. They're, they're very happy. 
But another project that Walt Disney World sort of raises its hand, and I'm sorry, we really need to get this done out ahead of the 50th anniversary, is okay if we borrow some of your stock, borrow some of your pieces, and we'll, we'll Construction it. material. There we go. And, you know, and the project leader at Journey... <laughs> the, I know where you're going with this. Go ahead. <laughs> sure. Go ahead and borrow. Sure. We can always reorder. I mean, it's not like the world supply channels are suddenly going to get screwed up. It's not like the parks are going to close for three months, and boom, March 2020. Both of the thing happens one two punch so epcot reopens in in july of 2020 and they now find they can't get anything that coupled with the fact that because of what's going on worldwide price of steel goes through the roof and it's it's just impossible to get things right remember um the news stories that we saw about shipping containers sitting off the coast of los angeles and off the ports on the east coast just because they couldn't find anyone to unload those things yeah they can't even begin construction now on Journey of Water inspired by Moana till October of last year. So two years after Future World begins to close. Yeah. As of right now, in, in the tradition of what you were just saying about Tron Light Cycle, spring 2023, current projected opening for Journey of Waterland is late 2023. And it's astounding. Yeah. I mean, and the guy I was talking with was like, I can't even be definitive about that. <laughs> because again, he said, the rumors had already started to bubble up about the rail strike. And it's like, if there's a rail strike, you know, you know, I'm just going to climb up on top of the now 16 foot tall Tafiti sculpture in the middle of it and jump off. You know, that, you know that there's a, there's a contingency plan in this project that includes the phrase, first we build a smelting plant. To make our own copper pipes. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, but, but anyway, it'll be lovely when it's done. And it was fun to talk with the teams that are working on the thing. Like, for example, the Tafiti sculpture I was just mentioning. The producer I was talking with talked about, you know, it's a good meeting when everybody walks away and didn't get what they want. It's the definition of compromise, right? There we go. But but the thing for Tafiti is that this is the goddess of nature and that sort of thing. And, and the argument was that horticulture wanted to do her all in real plants. And, yep. you know, the folks who were doing yeah. the attraction were like, this is Central Florida. They'll, they'll burn yeah. out. So the compromise is everything the guests can touch at the lower level will be real. But the actual 16-foot yes. foot tall statue will be covered with faux greenery. So it will I mean it's a it's an animal kingdom planting versus tree of life. There you I go. get that. There that, we go. That's mm -hmm. that's a, a compromise we all accept. That's fine. Absolutely. What about um what about Mickey's Toontown in Disneyland? One of the things and you would have picked up on this right away looking at the model, it's like this whole place is ADA compliant. They have gone through and removed every curb in the yeah. land. Even toward the back of Goofy's house where they've built a brand new area called Fort Max. In fact, they've really decided, given how successful a Goofy movie has been since 97, mm -hmm. they're going to celebrate that. You know, the backyard, for example, features a Bigfoot trap. You know, remember Bigfoot from that movie? But the entire fort in the backyard is set up in such a way that guests in the ECVs or in wheelchairs can get right up to the top of the fort using the ramps. Conversely, they've taken the fountain that used to be in front of Mickey's house and have moved that down to the bottom of the hill to Centennial Park. And they've built a fountain deliberately with the notion of, you know, our guests in wheelchairs and ECV, you know, can also get in on the fun. That's fantastic. That's, that's good thinking. Yeah. I mean, that's good. That's good imaginary. 
This is still the modern Disney company. So it's like, oh, since that time, we've seen the Goofy candy company become a thing in the parks. And so Mm -hmm. now when you go to Goofy's house, you can actually look in on Goofy's candy kitchen, which will remind you, oh, by the way, as you're heading up Main Street, go buy some Goofy candy. If you ever want to watch a very relaxing Mm -hmm. set of videos on YouTube, Mm -hmm. like, you know, when you're going to bed at night, watch how they make Japanese candy. Just, you know, on YouTube, just go Japanese candy manufacturing. Mm -hmm. And you'll see how they make, like, hard and soft candies. It is mesmerizing. Anyway, so I'm I'm kind of of in favor of of this. I I get it. Mm -hmm. All right, go ahead. What they've done is they sort of bumped out the borders of the land toward the Disneyland train track. But if we Mm. pivot to the other direction... Remember how behind Mickey's house used to be the Toontown equivalent of the Hollywood sign and the the hills, right? which, by the way, were were set up in such a way that they would block the guest view of the team Disney Anaheim building. Okay. Now that they have built the giant show building to house Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, Mm -hmm. they need far taller hills to keep that that building out of sight. So but these are the uh, dimensional flats. That's it, exactly. So yeah, yeah, it, yeah, anticipate yeah. when you go in, evidently Mickey's Toontown now is is somewhere in Switzerland because the mountains... <laughs> the hills are alive. That's right, yes. <laughs> the sound of Toontown. There we go. So so look with look for Mickey and Lederhosen is a polite way. Of, you know. <laughs> yeah, there is actually a... Uh, 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 is it Yodelberg? The, uh, yes, yes, the, there uh, is. Short. Yes, there yeah, is. Yeah. So. Totally. Totally fits in. I can see it. All right. Uh, real quick, Jim. Um, we've talked about the domestic stuff, but if you look at where Disney's spending the big money, it's all in the Asian parks. Did uh, Were there any updates on those? I got to speak with the team that's working on the two Frozen things that that are being built. Of course, the, the Frozen Land is being built in Hong Kong. There is a second one of these in the works for Paris. Uh, and of course, for Tokyo Disney Seas, they've got a Frozen Land going in with a Tangled Land and likewise a Peter Pan area. And the key ride for this is going to be sort of a rethink of Frozen Ever After from Epcot. Uh, Differences, an entirely different boat setup. These will be more in the style of Pirates and Small World, so bigger boat carrying upwards of 16 passengers. Oh, interesting. Likewise, the animatronic figures, if you remember from Florida, where for... Christoph, Anna, Sven, uh, you had the projected faces from within. Different style of animatronic figures for these, more in the vein of what Tokyo Disneyland did with its Beauty and the Beast ride for Belle and the like. Okay. The idea is you have this giant show building which you have to hide, so they've created the mountains just outside of Arendelle. And, of course, up on the mountains you will get to see Anna's ice castle, was talking with the designer of that who was very proud of the fact that he convinced Disney to cough up the dough to put actual Sikorsky crystals. Is, am I saying the name right? Sikorsky? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sikorsky is the guys that make uh, helicopters. But, you know, okay, both, well, there knows. we go. All right. So, the, you know, the, the, these crystals are going to be embedded coupled with uh, an, an amazing nighttime light package. So at night, much the same as Tiana's Bayou Adventure, these places are going to be magical to wander around. One thing worth noting here, a lot of people have been talking about, I want to say it's called Wandering Oaken's Sliding Sleighs. Uh, there's a piece of concept out out for this thing, and people have been looking at this and go, oh, that's Disney redoing 
the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train ride system and right. talked with the folks there and they're like, no, I get it. I, I can see how you look at that piece of art and think that. And it's like, no, this is a traditional roller coaster. The, the cars will not rock back and forth like Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. There is no show scene in the middle of the mountain. You will get sort of a show scene as you chug up your load hill and then you just slide through this environment. Now, a lot of people were waiting for news about Disneyland. And in fact, there have been some very strong rumors about the People Mover coming back and what would happen if the People Mover came back. And supposedly one of the things that was on the table was this frozen land that we've seen in Hong Kong and soon to be heading to Walt Disney Studios in Paris and that sort of thing, coming to Anaheim. And evidently there was a decision made let's hold that back let's not talk about right. this this year and in fact you and i have talked about previous d23 expo presentations for the parks where where things got cut the morning of like we're not talking about that and I, this seems to have been the same thing which led to a weird vampy version of the show which i think we're talking about on the second half right yeah we'll uh, we'll talk about it. there was a there was this period though mm-hmm. where like for the last 15 minutes of the show mm-hmm. they basically threw imagineering up there to to fill time we'll talk about it uh, after the break yep all right cool jim we have uh, time for a couple of quick surveys before we uh we take that commercial break mm-hmm. our friend uh joseph matt sends in a survey similar to the one we read on last week's show mm-hmm. from universal with this added question how would you compare your overall Universal theme park experience with your Disney theme park experience? <laughs> much better than Disney, somewhat better than Disney, about the same as Disney, somewhat worse than Disney, and much worse than Disney. And then the, uh, the follow-up question to that is, and which theme park would you say provided the best experience with each of the following things? Guest service, ease of planning, food and beverage offerings, value for the money, rides and attractions, Seamlessness or a hassle-free nature, and customized or personal visits. So I, I love that Universal is now confident enough that they're doing the direct head-to-head comparison. On the last show, you talked about, you know, we were looking at a survey that seemed to be Universal sort of groping. Saying, they know, like we know. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, that groping for that, that advertising campaign that, that puts us front and center, that Disney's gotten too complicated. It's, come here, come be with us. We're fun and easy. Do you ever think that they would actually do a commercial that starts off with like, you know, 70% of guests say that we're much easier, less complicated to visit than Disney. Like, you think they'd ever just actually show that number? We are two years and change from Epic Universe. Maybe it's possible, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, uh, time for a couple of uh, quick listener questions. Uh, this one's from Dan and Jim. I think it's for you. Uh, what's the future of Galaxy's Edge and the Galactic Star Cruiser since it looks like Disney's done with the reboot trilogy? Do the international editions move forward as is with slight changes? For example, you could replace Kylo Ren and Finn and Rise with the Mandalorian characters and not miss a beat, or as completely different projects, perhaps leaning on the original Tatooine plans, or does it get scrapped altogether? Thanks. Walt Disney Studios Park in Paris has basically flat out said, we are not doing Galaxy's Edge. We will do a Star Wars-themed area. In fact, it will be located next to the frozen land that they're building. Yep. I would bet that they lean into The Mandalorian, The Book of Boba Fett, they go with the modern Star Wars. Interesting. You know, yeah. rather than the, the last trilogy. Because frankly, there's a higher enthusiasm for Mandalorian than there is. In fact, that that was, you should have heard the noise in the room, Len, when they announced that they were going to bring 
the Mandalorian to the Disneyland version of Galaxy's Edge starting in Grogu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that yeah. the character greetings were one of the accomplishments that Imaginary had yeah. in its presentation. Yeah. And Galactic Star Cruiser, I've heard that talked about as something that they want to do at Tokyo eventually. But it's also been attached to a yet-to-be-greenlit third theme park over there. Wow, really? I mean, that that's an expensive land. The third park, remember, we have Tokyo Disney Seas. Mm-hmm. The, the companion park for that would be Tokyo Disney Air. Oh, and space fits into that. That gives you the, the luxury of bringing, finally, having Avatar the world of Pandora, right. you know, that it, you know, remember when that was announced in 2011, it wasn't a one-off. It wasn't just in Disney's Animal Kingdom. They were talking about, hey, we have plans that this goes to Hong Kong. We have plans that this goes to Paris. Right. By 2027, that's when Avatar 5 is opening in theaters. So, Okay, Jim, you say this, but I was talking to a reporter yesterday about expansion plans and how... Blue Sky things, you know, might never happen. And I mentioned, the reporter mentioned, well, you know, Avatar 2 is coming out this year. And I'm like, I will believe that Avatar 2 is coming out when I am sitting in the theater and the credits start to roll while I'm holding my milk duds. Like, until that exact moment, until I hear the theme park music and literally see Avatar 2 on the screen, I will not believe that it's happening. I don't care if they do press promos. I don't care if they, if they issue posters. I don't care if it's in the coming attractions. I literally have to see the film physically okay. to believe it's actually going to come out, Jim. Okay, so this is the part where I shouldn't tell you that they showed us 20 minutes of it at D23, right? You you say you saw 20 minutes of it, Jim. <laughs> okay, well, moving on. And again, it's like, it's like saying, you know, does France exist if I've never been there? Who, okay. who can say? Anyway. All right, uh, last uh, quick uh, uh, listener email, and I love this one. It's from Aaron, Mm -hmm. who says, uh, my dad just gave me his vacation planning materials from 1986, Mm -hmm. and I thought you'd appreciate it. It may have been one of the first unofficial guide touring plans Mm -hmm. back in the day. I was especially interested in the price of the four-day park hopper. I was six years old on this trip, but knowing my dad, it is not shocking to see we still have all this stuff left. I love the show, especially last week's 20,000 Leagues ride history. So, Jim, I uh, uh, I shared in the, the show notes two of Aaron's photos. Um, and this is a yellow legal pad mm-hmm. where every line is filled in with a specific thing to do. So we know, for example, on Monday, mm-hmm. April 7th, 1986, Aaron's schedule and her dad's schedule was wake up at 6.30 a.m., then breakfast at the Coral Isle at 7.45, then a monorail to Epcot at 8.45, and then, Jim, at 9.10, Epcot Center, including Earth Station, where they were making dinner reservations. Jim, let me just do a quick vibe check here, as the kids say. How do you feel about this so far? Glenn, if I could dig it out, I could give from my first trip to Disney World in 79, this looks very familiar. I, I however, oh. type mine, because I'm, I'm a total jerk. <laughs> so Spaceship Earth, the Energy Pavilion, Horizons, oh. World of Motion, lunch at the Odyssey Restaurant, mm. Then Imagination and the Magic Eye Theater. And then it's uh, Monorail back to the hotel, Pool and Beach, Monorail back to Epcot. Dinner at Alfredo's in Italy. Take the boat. But then World Showcase, Italy, Germany to see the fans. Mexico to ride El Rio del Tiempo. And then Imaginations and the Image Works. Before Monorail back to the hotel, party, uh, a phone call home, and then go to bed at 1045. Ugh. 
I just love this, Jim. We may have to revisit this on another show. I know this one's running long. I, I agree. But, uh, I agree. Love, love, love these photos. We have a couple pages of uh, Aaron's family's uh, schedule. We will revisit this on another show. Okay. Okay. All right, Jim, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, you will tell us all about what happened at D23 Expo behind the scenes, stuff that the public didn't hear about officially. We'll be right back. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Look, we all want to be better problem solvers, but sometimes, like it or not, we just get in our own way. It's at moments like this where a different viewpoint, an outside perspective, can be a godsend. Help us to truly see the forest for the trees, if you will. I mean, in my own life, nearly a quarter of a century ago, right after my divorce, I felt miserable, lost, worthless, which is when someone close to me suggested that I get some therapy. And you know, looking back on that time now, the personal perspective that I gained, not to mention the peace of mind, that time I spent in the therapy was invaluable. Now, mind you, this was old-school therapy, when you got in the car and then drove to the doctor's office, and you then had to wait out in the lobby for your appointment to start, surrounded by strangers and out-of-date magazines. That's why I wish there had been something like BetterHelp back then. BetterHelp is online therapy that's convenient, accessible, and affordable. And you can get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey and switch therapists at any time. Look, when you want to be a better problem solver... Therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash DisneyDish today to get 10% off your first month. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash DisneyDish. We thank them for sponsoring today's show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now that you've gone over the news, let's talk about what really happened <laughs> at D23. All the behind-the-scenes gossip that you were there for. Where do you want to begin? I actually want to begin in July of 2017 because I, I want to share how the Walt Disney Company talks about something they're actually going to build. So, again, Parks presentation at that year's D23 Expo. Bob Chapek, who at that time was chairman of the parks, not the CEO of the whole mouse house, gets up on stage at Hall D23 and says, a new theater is coming to the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World. And as the concept rendering behind him shows, it shall dwell right off of Main Street. And that's because it's based on the iconic Willis Theater in 1920s Kansas City. And across Walt Disney World Parks, we're, we're, we've been upping our game with entertainment. And new, this new theater at Walt Disney World will continue that streak. This was a Go project in July of 2017. Funded, concept art, everything. Permits were pulled in November 2017. In fact, at this same presentation, they also announced the Tron Light Cycle Run Ride for the Kingdom. So Oof. you could look at the permits. And so the Main Street Theater project was known as MK1, and Tron, the Light Cycle Run, was known as MK2. This project is something the kingdom had needed since 71. You know, an indoor theater, right. something that had similar capacity to the Hyperion Theater out at California Adventure. So what is that, 1,984 people? To this day, we don't know why this GO project got canceled. But in May of 2018, permits get pulled. January of 2018. 
15 Tron light cycle goes forward, but we lose the theater. And, and again, there's still people in entertainment who are grumpy about this. Well, and not only uh, entertainment, but park ops, because the theater would have given would have given the Magic Kingdom four headliner things oh, yeah. relatively new mm-hmm. in four corners of the park. They would have had Tiana's Bayou Adventure, Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, Tron oh, yeah. in the uh, west, north, and east mm-hmm. section of the park, and then the theater in the south, which in terms of you know, crowd distribution, Jim, Brilliant idea. getting people you know, around the park efficiently mm-hmm. is, a, is a desirable thing. This is how Disney announces projects that are actually going to happen. I'm thrilled to announce today yeah, yeah, that yeah. the theater is coming to the Magic Kingdom. Okay, we if we now pivot to what Josh DeMero, the current chairman of the Disney Parks, how he talked to event attendees this past weekend. Stands on Hall, same thing, just like JPEG, Hall D23, and enthuses about what might be coming to Disney's Animal Kingdom and the Magic Kingdom. And you know, he says, oh, that all sounds great, and we have real, real aspirations for this part of the park. And we're all so excited about the possibilities here. Len, real aspirations, real, real aspirations is an oxymoron, like definite possibility, <laughs> jumbo shrimp, and military jumbo intelligence. M- military intelligence, exactly. Yeah, that was difficult to watch, but go ahead. To sit in the hall and, and you know, here's DeMera on stage with Chris Beatty. And just to give you some background here, folks. Chris Beatty joined Imagineering in 97, became the yeah. chief uh, creative executive for the Magic Kingdom and Disney's Hollywood Studios back in November 2019. And when Joe Rohde retired from Disney in January 2021, Chris became the chief executive in charge of Animal Kingdom as well. Okay. Also on stage with Joss is Jennifer Lee, and Jennifer, of course, is the current head of Walt Disney uh, Studios. In fact, what's what's so funny, she joined Disney in 2011. She mm-hmm. was part of the team who was asked to fix Wreck-It Ralph, which I, I love fixing Wreck-It Ralph. <laughs> so here's Josh on stage with Chris and Jennifer uh, talking about what might be coming to two parks in Florida. Let me pause real quick mm-hmm. here. Have they, at this point in the presentation, have they already said that Harmonious is going away and Happily Ever After is coming back. That was in the part of the presentation where Josh was talking about these things are actually happening. you got to remember, you've been talking about the late night tests of Harmonious for or Happily Ever happily After. Ever after. I don't know if we talked about it on the show, but I've known for a couple yeah, of months. About yeah, I mean, that thing. this is okay. coming. And whereas Harmonious, it's one of these things where you and I both know about the financials involved here and that, you know, the whole notion of that show had to stay in place for what, a decade? So this is the thing, right? So the, you know, the rumors that Disney was planting Mm -hmm. among the media was that Harmonious was always supposed to be a temporary show. Mm -hmm. And, and let me just say that my official reaction to that is my butt Mm -hmm. Right. There's absolutely no, absolutely no way that Harmonious was supposed oh, no. to be a temporary show. I mean, for God's no. sake, Jim, you and I both know that when Disney does something like put the concrete planters in mm-hmm. to Tomorrowland, those things are on a 20-year depreciation financial cycle. That's exactly There's no way you build those Harmonious barges and depreciate them over a couple of years. No. Like no. The, the announcement that Harmonious is going away and let's put this into context in the same, in the same sort of general era as when rivers of light went away and you compound that with enchantment going away and happily ever after coming back. That is basically 
three tacit admissions of failure. I don't know. And, and on the part of Imagineering. And don't forget that just what was it? Uh, just yesterday or thereabouts, they they announced the official close date for for Disney kites. Yeah, kite tails. But kite that was tail. that was just a, a stopgap thing for the fiftieth. They they had nothing. And again, we still have our 50th anniversary chugging on to March 30th. No, we're, we're not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to fish these damn things out of trees anymore. Well, you notice it's it's ending on the last day of the current fiscal oh, year, which means that Disney was not willing to pay the money for it in fiscal 2023 to run the show, which tells you what the guest reaction to that might have been relative to what it was getting. Or what it was but again, we are t- we're now talking about Disney's Animal Kingdom, and as part of this D23 thing, uh, yeah. we had uh, Josh and Chris and Jennifer stand on stage and talk about a Moana land and a Zootopia. And this is, this is, sorry, this is where it starts to get, like, you start to feel bad for Imagineering because they just said, hey, the last two nighttime shows that we've done in the Magic Kingdom have kind of mm-hmm. failed. And we're bringing back other things. Like the rumor I've heard is that Epcot Forever is coming back as a temporary thing. Right. But, and happily ever after is coming back. Right. So we prefaced this segment with, yeah, the last stuff we did just did not land with guests. And, and we've got nothing to announce, but here's some stuff we're thinking about. Yeah. The way I look at this is always through the lens of what's going to bump up the stock price. Mm -hmm. So when Imagineering has to stand on stage Mm -hmm for 15 minutes and say, we don't have any funded projects, but here's what we're thinking about doing. What they're really saying is, we can't convince management that any of our ideas are as good as just buying back the stock. (laughs) And think about that. That is horrible and humiliating from an Imagineering perspective. Like that's, you don't go into Imagineering to hear that. You're not wrong. I felt really bad for them to have to get up there on stage and, and, and I do mean, that. it was a, a lot of vamping. I mean, I mean, think about that. This is an actual quote from Chris Beatty talking about the Zootopia land. You know, he said, watching Judy Hopps board the train and then go through those amazing landscapes and animals in those environments just jumped off the screen at me as a possibility that could live in Animal Kingdom. And, and remember, they are building a Zootopia land in Shanghai. They have a ride yeah. system. In fact, they actually showed as part of the D23 presentation the animatronic for Officer Clawhauser, the fat cheetah. And also, it's important to stress here that Bob Chapek in January of this year set up a new committee for the parks. They, they meet on a monthly basis, you know, with Imagineering, mm-hmm. it's a studio and the like, and with the notion of, all right, what are we going to do to get people excited about the parks? And Jennifer actually stood on stage and mentioned that their priority right now is to bring the films of the past decade into the Disney park. Yeah. So again, Encanto. Franchise, franchise, franchise. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is her talking about the Encanto land that might go in behind Big Thunder Mountain. It's like, so what if we do want to talk about Bruno? You know, nobody brings a magical house to life like Imagineering. What if you could walk into the Madrigal's Magic Casita? I'm just saying, and meet the family. What if Maribel is your guide, introducing you to all the wonders within the walls, Bruno's towers, Antonio's room, all of it. What if you could step up to a door and discover your own magical gift? And again, this is all blue sky. And in fact, I would argue, Len, that if we go with the visible spectrum, this stuff is so early, we should really be calling this Sienna sky the color that comes before (laughs) blue? So a couple of things. One, I was talking to an Imagineer about the possibility of putting 
um, Zootopia in Animal Kingdom. And you and I have talked mm-hmm. about this, right? But my, my contention has always mm-hmm. been, you know, when Joe Brody designed this park, it was supposed to be, you know, for real animals in the real world. And the Imagineer's point was, Joe Brody's not here anymore. No, no. The second thing was, like, as they were going through, you know, what if we wanted to talk about Bruno? What if Maribel is your mm-hmm. guide? What if you could walk into the mag- uh, Madrigal's mm-hmm. Magical casita, and I thought to myself, "What if Margot Robbie starts returning my phone calls? <laughs> like, I mean, anything could happen, you know? Right? Like, no, this is going to happen, dude. <laughs> but, but uh, and this is why I I feel bad because they put these two pieces of concept art out, blend. and in fact, they weren't even confident enough to describe them as as concept paintings. They said early concept, and then this is a thought starter. A thought starter, yeah. Sienna Sky, not Blue Sky. It almost green sky oh. at this point because it's like that far. No. The, the, the other thing about this is, and again, you and I know from talking to Imagineers, mm. that concept stuff like yep. this takes at most a couple weeks to prepare. Mm. This isn't something that we're, you know, doing the painting takes a year, right? This takes a couple of weeks tops. And I've talked to Imagineers who have done fairly detailed mm. concept art like this in literally one mm. day. So it's not like they they've been preparing for this announcement, you know, or try or that they you know they planned for six months in advance to focus group these ideas on stage at D twenty three, right? It's not it, no no no. Yeah, this is not a lot of work. I kind of I kind of felt like on this was that when they were doing this, like it was like watching an eighth grader doing a science fair presentation without actually having a project to do, <laughs> and it was like. So, Jimmy, what was your research on? And it's like, well, science has brought us great many inventions over the years. And the teacher's like, well, well, yes, Jimmy, but what specifically have you worked on? And Jimmy's like, well, Madame Curie discovered x-rays, <laughs> without which modern medicine would be impossible. And the teacher's like, you know, so you, you don't actually have anything to present, Jimmy? And then Jimmy goes, behold, the atom. What is this about? I, I, maybe yeah. Jimmy is a good close friend of Josh because this is how he ended the presentation before he, he sends Jennifer and Chris off stage. It's like, I can't wait to keep talking with you both about both of these ideas and start locking some of this in. I mean, it's just like even when he talked about the thing that got the biggest reaction, villain's land. I mean, he prefaced this by saying, well, you know, this was not not planned for anytime soon. <laughs> you know, it's like I, I will say that of, of all of the hype uh, things, the villain lands mm-hmm. makes the most sense to yeah. me for a couple of reasons. Because they actually they talked about mm-hmm. this in conjunction with uh, I think the preface was what's beyond Frontierland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Len. Chris Beatty, who has done a lot of good work, like I don't want to be dismissive here. He was mm-hmm. the, the guy in charge of New Fantasy Land, you know, the largest addition mm-hmm. to the most popular park in Florida. And the very project mm-hmm. they're talking about now, this Beyond Big Thunder project, is mm-hmm. that if you put the Santa Cecilia, the, the village from Coco, you know, you put that it's first thing you passed Big Thunder. And then beyond that, you put the Madrigal home and their magical valley. And then beyond that, mm-hmm. you push into to Villain's Land. What you've successfully done is created a trio of lands that will take you all the way around the rivers of America, connecting back yes. up. With the haunted mansion. Yeah. So if you think of if you think of the villain's land behind Fantasyland, mm. then there's plenty of space. Oh there. no, no, absolutely. But were you to do that again? You said previously that that when they opened New Fantasyland, they were able to up the capacity of the Magic Kingdom by five thousand guests per day. Five thousand fifty five hundred ish people. Okay. Yeah. So think about that. If you added these three new lands and put them on this piece of real estate that that 
you know, woefully undeveloped in the kingdom. You could yeah. get at least that, you know, 5,000, maybe. Oh, 10,000. Okay. 10,000 people, Lisa Jim. All right. The, the interesting thing is if you look at an overhead map, and, and I have it in the mm-hmm. show notes uh, for you, there's plenty of space mm-hmm. behind Big Thunder Mountain and behind Fantasyland for this. In fact, the thing that um, sort of prevents you from expanding further beyond the mm-hmm. berm is the rerouting that the Disney just did of uh, Floridian there you Way. Go. But uh, you and I were joking before the show, thank God Reedy Creek is still building <laughs> roads. <laughs> and, and Reedy Creek's not going oh, anywhere, which is a, a topic for another show. There we show. go. There right. we go. But yeah. so, there, there's, so, so I, love the, I love this idea for a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. One, I think of Villain's Land, and we referenced this at the opening mm-hmm. with uh, you know, the intro, mm-hmm. the Bandcamp subscriber uh, shout-out. The jokes just write themselves. Oh, yeah. Like the plots just write themselves mm-hmm. for the Villain's Land. But I love the idea of um, you know, Beyond Frontierland because it would do a couple of things. One, you could sort of squint your eyes and see how – Encanto fits in sort of the desert Southwest mm-hmm. theme. Like I, you know, and from a, not, I'm not saying necessarily from a story perspective that they all have to be connected, but from a visual perspective, it would work. The other thing it would allow you to do is, and we've talked about this on the show as well, but like the timeline problem with um, Tiana's Bayou Adventure in Frontierland is problematic. Essentially, if we know that Tiana's Bayou Adventure begins sometime after 1927, mm-hmm. and, and we know from, for example, it, it's a fact that the that the U.S. frontier was closed by 1890. It's 37 years, at least, between that. You're basically, Tiana's bio-adventure is closer to man landing on the moon <laughs> than the U.S. frontier. And, and not for nothing, Jim, it means that literally the first half of Tomorrowland's carousel of progress mm-hmm. could fit in the Frontierland timeline. That's the problem with Tiana's bio-adventure. I don't, you know, not, not the representation, the ride, the characters, anything like that. I love it. I welcome it all. The timeline is a problem from Frontierland. But if they expand Frontierland out, then it allows them to carve out Tiana's bio-adventure, maybe Tom Sawyer Island or whatever's left mm-hmm. of it, you know, um, and maybe Pirates of the Caribbean into a new, like, New Orleans Square-themed land, uh. which would resolve all of the timeline issues, allow consistency. And Jim, not for nothing, but could you imagine if they did that now, what the marketing opportunity would be for a new land in the Magic Kingdom? Can you imagine the t-shirt sales alone would probably pay for the entire construction process? That's intriguing. That's it. Now, mind you, I have to tell you that Villain Village, I remember hearing plans for that in 96, 97, but that was when, as a replacement of 20K, they were going to build Bald Mountain, which was going to be Another flume ride. Yeah. I mean, villains Villains is going to be the thing that's basically the equivalent of Harry Potter. Oh, no, no, no. Absolutely. Absolutely. But to answer the question, I, uh, you know, uh, Disney guy, a.k.a. PSA guy, reached out via Twitter and said and wanted to know, did I think that Disney Villain Land is supposed to be the company's answer to Universal Classic Monster Land over at Epic Universe? And, and Len, I, uh, no. I, I, I'd honestly be surprised if a third or a fourth of what Damato Beatty and Lee talked about on stage this past Sunday actually gets built in yeah. Florida. And, and yeah. I mean, chances are none of it gets yeah. built, right? I mean, the, the most likely scenario is literally none of it gets no. built. And is Disney sweating Epic Universe? To be honest, history tells us no. Because, I no. mean, when Islands of Adventure was being readied in the mid-1990s, Disney sort of looked askance at it and quietly drew up plans for a series of e-tickets that should the reinvention of of Universal Studios Florida as a a destination resort 
uh, proved to be successful, you know, they'd give guests a reason to come back to property. And, and you know, for example, one of the attractions that was designed as part of this was the, the Fire Mountain transforming coaster, the thing that was going to be built in Adventureland that, that keyed off of... In, uh, and take the place of Jungle Cruise. There Creek, we go. Yeah. But May 1999, Universal Islands Adventure opens, stumbles coming out of the gate, Disney sees no drop in attendance levels at Florida, so exactly. cancels everything that are planned. And this is this is sort of the thing that I've, that I've you know, been, been saying on interviews. Mm-hmm. It's like... Disney management are not theme park mm-hmm. fans. They don't care about competition mm-hmm. with Universal. And to the extent that they do, it's only does this affect revenue and the stock mm-hmm. price. And if it doesn't, then they don't care. Like, they're not going to build rides just because Universal's building no, no, rides. No. They're going to wait for Epic Universe to mm-hmm. open to see if that negatively impacts the bottom mm-hmm. line. And then maybe they'll do something. But that's not going to happen until 2026. We won't know. you know. And there's a decent chance, right, that people... You, even if people decide to make Universal their first mm-hmm. choice or their their um, equivalent mm-hmm. choice to Disney, there's a chance that they could tack on a Disney vacation to the beginning of, end I don't know, no. of their Universal experience. And Disney doesn't lose any net revenue. And again, Disney's, Disney's not going to build rides just to build rides or because they're theme park fans. Disney only cares about the stock price. And they're going to wait and mm-hmm. see what Epic Universe does to the stock mm-hmm. price before responding. So we're not going to – I don't think we're going to hear any sort of major thing until 2026. The one caveat here is remember when the original Wizarding World of Harry Potter opened in June of 2010, Mm -hmm. we did see Disney blink. It's easy to draw a direct line from what happened when the Wizarding World, you know, uh, know, because it wasn't, uh, it was less than a year later that Disney announced its deal with James Cameron that, you know, we just got the theme park rights Avatar and we got Pandora opened in May of 2017 and then we got our two Galaxy's Edges. Okay, but slightly different scenario there Mm -hmm. because if you think about the number of authors or, you know, directors, producers who have... Uh, successfully put out billion-dollar franchises. Mm-hmm. It's George Lucas, which Disney already yep. owns. Steven Spielberg, which is mostly Universal. Mm-hmm. J.K. Rowling, which is Universal, mm-hmm. right? James Cameron was left. And, and, and sorry, and Lord of the Rings, right? Which is uh, Peter Jackson, who's sort of non-committal. And then it was James mm-hmm. Cameron. So Disney looked at that and saying, "Look, there's five mm-hmm. people that have produced, you know, billion-dollar franchises. Three of them are already accounted for. Two are left. Let's lock up one of them." That was it. It's not that it's not that they were super fans of Pandora or that they they needed something specific in Animal Kingdom. They said there are two assets left, right? That can do this. We need to buy one of them, and that was James Cameron. I am reading Ken Echeleta's book, Hollywood Ending: The Harvey Weinstein and the Culture of Silent Silence, mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. talk about when. Lord of the Rings was Disney's. I mean, you know, they were going to make it at Disney through Miramax, and Disney would have had the theme park rights to this. But, I mean, Eisner just couldn't see his way clear. I mean, he was, you're asking him to make two movies? Oh my God, two movies? Two three hour movies? What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have met uh, Josh DeMero and Chris Beatty and Jennifer Lee previously. They're all lovely people. The reaction in the room, people were just over the moon. And, you know, since that time, the images of those two concept, excuse me, early concept and thought starters, you put it right. They were vamping. They were tap dancing up yeah. there because they, they had nothing and they needed to fill some they time. Did. And it just, I, I yeah. felt bad for them. 
And I also, I feel bad for the fans. Don't hold off going to Walt Disney World because you're waiting for Moana Land or Zootopia to open at Animal Kingdom or the, you know, Coco Encanto and the Disney Villains Land because we are in Twinkie expiration date country land. Yeah, this isn't going to happen uh, anytime soon. So don't don't feel like you have to go out to see Dino Land before it goes. It's not happening anytime soon. Absolutely. All right, cool. Well, good show, Jim. Thanks for uh, thanks for all that detail. It's really, really good. It was it was it was a wonderful time. It just again, you know, yeah. just <laughs> again, just would have been nice. little little dose, dose of reality. Yeah, at the there end. you yeah. go. So, and, and like you said, I mean, none of the people at Disney are bad. Mm-hmm. You just have to understand their motivation, right? And their motivation or the their constraints. Really, their constraint is really: can we convince management that the thing we want to mm-hmm. build will move the stock price more than just buying stock yep. back? And that is very, very difficult to do with this current management no, 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 team. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. All right, All right, folks, that's going to do it for the Disney Dish show today. Please help support our show and Jim Hill Media by subscribing over at DisneyDish.Bandcamp.com, where you'll find exclusive shows never before heard on iTunes. Jim, we have several new Bandcamp exclusives out now, right? We do. Epic Universe, Cars Land, and more mm-hmm. coming up, right? That, that we do. That we do. Fantastic. And you can find more of Jim at JimHillMedia.com and more of me, Len, at TouringPlans.com. We're produced fabulously by Aaron Adams, who'll be playing the entire album Five Days in July by Blue Rodeo as he opens for Canadian band Mother Mother starting at 5 p.m. on Wednesday, October 26th at Stubbs Barbecue. That's the one on Red River Street in beautiful downtown Austin, Texas. While Aaron's doing that, please go into iTunes and Raider Show and tell us what you'd like to hear next. In fact, we have a giveaway this week uh, only, so that's until Schmerz Day, September 26th. Leave a review for us on iTunes this week, and we will pick one of those at random to receive an exclusive Disney dish on the Disney Wish t-shirt in your size and color. And as you're leaving that review, remember that Snooze Fest has a hyphen. Grammar counts. For Jim, this is Len. We'll see you on the next show.